Well, you could believe Mr. Pecker. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Enough, I get the point. <laughs> Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And we are doing Ghostbusters this morning. Woo! Pretty excited. Released in 1984. Great year, year I was born. Uh, yeah, I was, I was born that year. Thanks for remembering, Greg. That's you're Very welcome. sweet of you. Yeah. Budget of $25 million with a return of just under $300 million at $295.7 million. Uh, reoccurring. Not bad. Yeah, recurring. <laughs> a repeater, of course. Um, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I have a tidbit from 1984. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was the last year that an Academy Award was given away in the category of Best Original Musical. Huh. So there was this. There is an open category, but apparently, it hasn't been awarded since this year due to lack of contenders, according to the internet. Wait, so it still exists, just no one is winning it recently. Apparently, so we should make. But people have made musicals recently. Yeah. So eighty four was the year the the musical died. Yeah. Do you, can you guess what it was? Uh, the Sound of Music. It's oh, uh, only musical I can think of. Purple Rain. Ah. Not to be confused with Chubby Rain. Yes. <laughs> Kit Ramsey, I believe, started in that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> or his brother. Yeah, one of them. One of the two. One of the Ramseys. Yeah. So, obviously a hit. This was um critic score of 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. 97? 97. Audience score was only 88%. What the, what the fuck's their problem? What's, stupid audiences. Yeah. I mean... And stupid critics. Yeah. There's a good 3% there that's gone <laughs> waning. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, the second one only got 53% critic score. Oh, Vigo? Six- Vigo does not score well? <laughs> no, apparently not. Yeah. And then the, the reboot in 2016 got 74% critic score and 50% audience score. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sure we'll touch that a little bit later. Yeah, touch it. Touch it. Yeah, 1984, big year for movies. Uh, I thought you were going to say big year for me. Big year for me. I came into existence. It was pretty kind of a big deal. Biggest thing that's ever happened to me. Mm. Uh, But also Beverly Hills Cop was number one that year. Number two was, of course, this this picture. Aquel. Aquel. Number three, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Number four, Gremlins. Number five, The Karate Kid. Number six, Police Academy. Number seven, Footloose. Number eight, Romance in the Stone. Number nine, one of the Star Treks. Number 10, Splash. Wow. What a movie. What a year. Yeah, what a year for a, movies. That's a good year. Yeah. I should be proud of that year. Oh, yeah. Purple Rain came out that year. Damn it. I should have known that. Revenge of the Noids, The Terminator, oh. The Gods Must Be Crazy, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think we've actually done 1984, maybe one of the most yeah, in the podcast. I think so. Yeah. We might need to expand a little. That's but what a year. That's how I know. What year you're born because <laughs> you remind me. Yeah. A pretty massive year. Didn't quite get to number one, but it did get to number two. We are, of course, talking about Ghostbusters. 
I assume this was a big one for you, Greg. Huge. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. Real big. Uh, maybe the biggest. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. But at the time, was it too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this would have been probably just about the first movie I saw. Yeah. One of my earliest memories was my Ghostbuster T-shirt. So I had like, it was pale blue. I'll see if I can dig up some photos. I oh, wore it a nice. lot. Yeah. Um, big Ghostbusters logo on the front. Wore it as often as I could. I think it's kind of like the way my son wears his Spider-Man or Hulk. Or- yeah, I had a Superman pajama thing that I yeah. would just wear all the time. Pyjamas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was kind of like my superhero costume. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So I think I might have had a similar – I think I might have entered in Ghostbusters 2 due to my age. And I remember finding that really scary. Well, they're all kind of jumbled, but I remember the slime and all that stuff, which is number two, right? Um, oh, the, like yeah, out of the bathtub. The and that. slime. Yeah. But I do remember being legitimately scared of that library scene in this one. And so uh-huh. I think I probably watched it quite young and then probably didn't watch it that much right away because I've probably found it too scary. But then it came back, a big movie for me. Mm. Yeah, and also I think part of, uh, I think that's why I got scared is because I used to see ghosts in my bedroom at night, like it wake, when I wake up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and um, like consistently and they had bowling ball heads. <laughs> it was these ghosts with bowling ball heads. Right. Yeah, I remember vividly. There was one and usually I'd turn the lamp on, which is next to my bed on the desk. But one night I woke up and there was a bowling ball man with a moustache sitting at my desk and so I was too scared to even turn on the light. So I was just like, uh. Oh. Yeah. The bowling ball man. Yeah, bowling ball head people. Really? Yeah. Did you not have any, you didn't find this scary at all growing up? Um, probably, yeah, I think the opening scene used to freak me out. I think especially even before she transforms and she's just kind of hovering there because you've never seen anything before. In your life like that, right? It's like, what the fuck? Just when they're, yeah, when they're yeah. walking through. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the wall falls down. Yeah. I'd never understood. <clears throat> you know how it's just a white wall behind them? Oh, yeah. I used to think it was like another dimension. and I don't know why because I was a uh, kid. Oh, yeah. And then, but I used to like pause it. I remember having to turn the volume down as soon as I had it up really loud. Oh, uh, yeah. And then he goes, get her. I used to have to like turn it down. But I used to pause it and try and like study her weird ghost head. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, practical too. We'll get into that a bit later. All right, it's a big for both of us. I think that was probably pretty obvious. But should we get into the origin story? Sure. Origin story. All right, so this is uh, very much from the brain of Mr. Dan Aykroyd, who, I don't know, are you? he's not one of my guys really. I like him, but he's never been like, yeah, like he, he's, he's, there. In, he's in stuff yeah. that I like. Yeah, and I like this, and this is obviously... He is. Yeah, and I probably didn't realise that growing up. It's a bit like um, how you think Jerry in Seinfeld is the shit one when you're young, and then you realise, oh, no, he's making the show. That's his... It's or Dr. Dre is like the, the shit rapper in NW. Like, you don't realise that they're making it at all. Mm. So I think that's one of these ones. But, yeah, this is all his... This is his baby. The, the puppeteer. Yeah. Not the puppet. Yeah. So the year was 1981. Dan Aykroyd reads an article on quantum physics and parapsychology in the Journal of the American Society for Psychical Research. As you do. As one does, yeah. yeah apparently he's quite into the whole Oh, yeah, he is. Teams. He loves it. He loves it. 
Um, but yeah, inspiration strikes. So he's always been a, a bit of a weirdo with that stuff. Um, his family history is uh, sprinkled with ghosts and ghouls. Maybe not. Maybe not ghouls, but ghosts. What are ghouls? I don't know. Are they just ugly ghosts? Yeah, maybe. They sound scarier. Ghosts is more neutral. Mm. Maybe it's like a slur. Maybe you're not supposed to say ghouls. The G word. His great grandfather was a spiritualist in the era of King Edward. Apparently, I don't know what that means. Really, I assume it's in yesteryear. Yeah, yesteryear. Well, I think the King Edward period was like the early 1900s. But anyway, the, uh, his mother maintains that she saw an apparition. Apparition? Apparition, yeah, of his great-grandparents while nursing him as a baby. Oh. Mm, yeah. And so, so he had kind of um, that history in his family. He, he's reading this article and he also just was thinking, you know what, there were all these cool ghost movies back in the 40s, which I'd never heard of, such as Ghost Chasers mm-hmm. and Ghost Breakers. And he thought, huh, well, wouldn't that be a, a cool idea to bring that into the modern era? Mm. This was made in 1984. So him referring back to the 40s is only 40 years ago. Yeah. Next year, the 80s is 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> How fucked up is that? Wow. Yeah, right? That's messed uh. up. So Because they, they're making a new Ghostbusters movie next year. That's, gonna be, that's like him referring back to the roaring 40s. The roaring 40s. Referring back to the roaring 80s. But oh. I ne- I'd never heard of these movies, so I looked some of them up, and some of them are actually quite close to. They're almost like you can see the direct kind of mm, inspo l- lineage between these movies. This is the trailer for Ghostbreakers with um, with Bob Hope with James Cagney. <laughs> Ghostbreakers Incorporated. You make them, we shake them. Bob Hope speaking. Yes, Paulette Goddard's a partner in this firm. What? You want me to send her around? <laughs> Listen, if I could tell Paulette what to do, I wouldn't send her to your house. Sucker. <laughs> you know, I never knew there were so many ghosts roaming around loose until Paulette and I got into the ghost breakers. Believe me, the cat in the canary was a pink funny. tea yeah. compared to this picture. It all starts on one terrible night. Basil Rathbone must be giving a party. That's the night that Paulette inherits a ghostly ancient castle off the ghost, I mean the coast of Cuba. The place is filled with mummies and spooks that walk at midnight. There are murders and death warnings planned to frighten Paulette and me, but we ain't frightened. I'll match you to see who faints first. You get the idea. He's even answering the phone. Ghostbreakers, you, whatever, we, whatever. You make them, we shake them. Is what what is, is, I can't remember. Is that what he said? He did. Yeah, um, nice. What does that mean? I don't know. Ghost shakers? Ghostbreakers. Who knows? If only we could go back and listen to that, which would be very easy to do. Um, so that seemed a little bit scarier, which is interesting because the original Ghostbusters concept was a lot scarier, darker, grittier. Was it? Yeah. So, well, why don't I go through some of the backstory in the, the scripting. So there was an original version, hot off the heels of uh, Blues Brothers with John Belushi. So obviously they go way, way back with SNL and I think uh-huh. one of those comedy crews. Um, and so it was, it was meant to be a vehicle for them again. They've been mm, doing lots of movies right. as duos. The first, Dan Aykroyd's first three movies were with John Belushi as well. So it was going to be for those two with a little uh, up-and-coming star named... Mr. Eddie Murphy. Ah. But then 
about a third of the way through writing this script, in fact, while he was in the action of writing a line for John Belushi, he gets a call from his manager that Belushi had just passed away. So kind of fucked up. There's obviously Mm. lots to talk about there, but we'll probably save that for a Blues Brothers episode or something. Yeah, dedicated to Joan. Yeah, but um, so then they kind of shifted gears and started writing that part for Bill Murray, which makes sense. Uh, Also an SNL guy, so part of that crew as well. Um, But that first script, apparently called Ghost Smashers, so the idea, a bit like how it ended up, the idea was always to have these guys set up as very ordinary as you would have a fire department or pest control. They were just like a... Service. Yeah, like it's a really standardy kind of service thing. But in the original script, it was set in the future and they would travel through space, time and uh, dimensions yeah, and things. more Rick and Morty-ish. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And darker and scarier, uh, uh, apparently. Yeah. Stargate. Paraphrasing. What? Yeah, like Stargate. Stargate. Um, or Loopers. Wait, no, that's different. Sliders. Sliders. That what What's the one with um, Anakin Skywalker? A jumper. Jumper. Uh, Ew. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Ackroyd wanted Ivan Reitman, so he'd, he'd done Animal House, Meatballs, Stripes, would later go on to do Twins, delightful little romp. But they were also part of the same comedy crew from Canada, eh? Second City. Uh-huh. Loved the script, but he's like, you know, we can't really make this movie. That's going to cost like two or $300 million, which was unheard of, especially for a comedy. So there was sort of this. And 1983 or whatever. It was yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for any kind of movie, that's a huge budget, but especially for a comedy. So they used to have like this. I guess conventional wisdom around well, a comedy will only ever return this much. There's a there's a ceiling there for comedies, so you never want to spend more than X because yeah. it's only going to get to Y or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although, funnily enough, this became the highest grossing comedy ever at the time, only to be beaten later by Home Alone. Mm. Yeah, and actually, probably if you adjust for inflation, it's probably still pretty up there. But they could get a green light if they got the budget down to twenty five million, so roughly ten percent of what that original idea would have cost. So they just bring just in. Just it back. Yeah. Yeah. Just pair it back a little a few, bit. A few less dimensions. <laughs> um, we'll make it a cartoon. Make it a cartoon. Oh, the cartoon was pretty good. We'll come back yeah, we'll get that. Um, all right. So Reitman suggested some tweaks, brings in Mr. Harold Ramis, who up until a couple of episodes ago we thought was the same person as Ivan yep. Reitman. <laughs> Still, maybe they are. <laughs> um, bring him in. He obviously plays Egon, but he also helped rewrite the script. So him and. Um, uh, Ackroyd worked together on refining that script and they had quite a complementary writing partnership apparently. So Ramus is really good at the dialogue and refining the jokes and that kind of shit and Dan is bringing in the fucking paranormal aspects and all that jargon and all that. There all was that quite a stuff. lot of that in there, wasn't there? What? And in there, it makes sense when you realise that he's into this shit in real life because there's some, it's pretty, yeah. He <laughs> spouted um, it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they changed the setting, but they also then started to really differentiate the characters a lot more than they initially were. So making Dan Aykroyd's character sort of the heart, Ramus's character the brains, and then obviously Bill Murray's character the mouth. Ah. Yeah, but there was some other casting. I'll give you a couple of interesting little precasties. Actually, I got one interesting precastie and then a bunch of unverified precasties. But the one legit one, Julia Roberts auditioned for Sigourney Weaver's role. Did she? Yeah, yeah. So she auditioned, didn't get it. Sigourney Weaver, of course, got it. But at this point, she'd only really done Alien, or at least in terms of fame. 
Yeah. And so wasn't really considered a comedic act- actress. This was her trying to level her profile yeah. to avoid typecasting. Yeah, and apparently she nailed it. She came into the audition acting like a dog and going yeah, all crazy the, and shit. She did the transformation into the – Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go, oh, okay, I'm going to do a comedy, but then you play the serious person in a comedy. Yeah, because she doesn't act – yeah, she doesn't – is she serious in it? She, she's a, the character's kind of serious, isn't she? She's kind of she's not cracking jokes. A, yeah. bit, a bit like when we talk about um, Naked Gun. They're all serious actors. Yeah, and it was just funny because they're playing it so straight. So she's just playing it straight. She's playing so, it pretty straight. Yeah. Oh, you know she's six foot two. Six two. Yeah. How crazy is that? No wonder she fucked up all those aliens. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge, man. Six two is tall. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> um. So originally Louis was going to be John Candy. I did hear this. Yeah. I think we may, if I recall correctly, we may have even talked about this on the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode because he then suggested Rick Moranis eventually. But he was going to play him as a German character with all these dogs and be a mad weirdo. Yeah. But he wanted to be more, apparently wanted to be a bigger part as well. Yeah. He wanted to be like a And they were like, yeah, this movie's got enough dog. It doesn't need any more dog because it's got the, you know, the demon dogs. And uh, then he was also like, yeah, well, I also don't really think I want to do this. And they were like, yeah, okay, fine. And then um, Rick. they bring in uh, Rick Moranis. Uh, where, Who this was. is perfect. Perfect. Always, always. What a great little guy. Anyway, we'll, well, we do, we'll talk about him a little bit in this episode. But if you want a deep dive on Moranis, go listen to our Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode where we pay him mad respect. Any other any other precasties? So I've got some unverified precasties. Michael Keaton, Chevy Chase, Walken, oh, yep. Lithgow, Goldblum, Gu- Gutenberg. Goldblum would have been pretty good. Yeah, they all I feel like good. he's about to be overplayed now, Goldberg, but uh Gold Bloom. Bloom. Fuck. <laughs> Goldberg Bloom Steam. <laughs> Gold Steam. That's mad. Mad racist? You kind of. <laughs> I was going to say, that will be the name of my made-up agent. <laughs> <laughs> Goldberg and Blumenstein. Yeah, I think these Steinberg? are all just popular people at the time because everything I read, it sounds like it was pretty obvious it was going to be cast in all of it, except for Mr. Ernie Hudson who had to audition five times. What? And then when, when Eddie Murphy wasn't in it, they kind of changed his role significantly and made it a lot smaller. But I think he brings something nice to this movie. I think he's uh, well, he's kind of the uh, maybe the uh, like he's the normal guy, the proxy or the no, but there's a word for that anyway. Yeah, you uh, know the word. Smarter people would know the word. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Annie good. Potts as well. Janine, Janine, you know she's the voice of Bo Peep in Toy Story. Ah, and you learned this recently. Excellent. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the big bad alien chick at the end. That's another precast. That was going to be Paul Rubens, otherwise known as Pee Wee Hyman. They went with a, a Serbian national. Well, he passed. So he was his his version of oh. that was going to be more of like an architect man in a suit type thing. Then he passed, and then they were like went back to the drawing board and decided for some androgynous Grace Jones Bowie type figure. But they should have got Bowie or Grace Jones. That would have been good. Mm. So anyway, they finished the script, but they finished the script in 1983. This movie had to come out in 1984, so this shit was getting tight, 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 tight. So basically like editing while they're filming and all that shit. But anyway, it eventually comes out on the same day as Gremlins. Came out on the same day. What a time to be alive. Madness. Like Gremlins, Ghostbusters, me being born. These, 
They come in threes, two right? Of, two of those are defining things of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so then the movie comes out. Huge hit. Biggest comedy of all time. Yada, yada, yada. Let's play the trailer. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. <laughs> oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. Did you see it? They're all that stand between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. Do you want this body? Is this a trick question? Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver. Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, coming to save the world. Ghostbusters. I mean, that trailer does a decent job of going through some of the main elements of the plot, but mm. for those who haven't watched it in a while, Greg, what's the, what's the plot? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd happy to do that for you. <laughs> um, Larry King, Colonel Sanders, J.K. Rowling. Susan Boyle, Dr. Peter Venkman, Egon Ray. What do these people have in common? Um, I don't know. That's right. They all overcame unemployment and abject poverty to go on and thrive, creating empires. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Did you say Larry King? Yes. He's in this too. Yeah, sure so is. It's film debut. Anyway, continue. Ghostbusters. The story of three friends who were fired from their university fellow roles and a couple of other people they hire found a gap in the market. A blue ocean strategy executed <laughs> perfectly by understanding their market and the needs of their customer and providing a unique service that solves that customer problem. In this instance, busting ghosts. Right. In a short period of time, they took over the ghost busting market at a time when it was in most need going on to become the largest paranormal removal company in North America. Now, Tristan, as marketers, it's worth pointing out that their strategy was supported by some shrewd marketing work, most notably strong branding (laughs) and memorable advertising. Yeah, good logo. We're ready to believe you. (laughs) It is strong. Remember the TVC? Yeah. It's also a love story. (laughs) Is it though? Oh, kind of. Say that well, it is kind of a love story because um, obviously Sigourney Weaver, but also Dan Aykroyd seems to get a blowjob from a ghost at some point. I didn't remember that when I was a kid. Yeah. What the fuck is that? 
And he's 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 like, oh, right. It's a ghost job. He goes like cross-eyed or whatever. Like, what the fuck is that? I mean, you would. (laughs) You're not going to like, no, no, no. Would you though? I mean, well, I guess you... Ghost job? I'd cop a ghost job. We don't even know what's doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he didn't seem... He couldn't see it. Is he good? It's like like an invisible glory hole. Ghost... (laughs) (laughs) A glory hole to another dimension. (laughs) Yeah, what a weirdo. He wrote this, remember? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like... It's like... It's the 80s, baby. (laughs) And then I get a blowjob from a ghost. (laughs) Oh, someone... Kesha, you know that singer Kesha? She reckons she had sex with a ghost. Good. Yeah. Uh, well, how how was the rewatch for you? It was divine. Divine. Yeah. 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 It was epic. Mm. As soon as I saw the opening, you know, the Columbia. Oh yeah. Um, which I, when I was young, I used to think that that was the Ghostbusters movie. So oh. anytime I saw a Columbia, you know, the oh, Statue of Liberty or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it went to a different movie. I thought someone had just taped over Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's mad. Which happened a lot. Yeah, man. It was it was a real treat of a rewatch. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was everything I knew it was and a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, I was I was pretty in a similar space. I was surprised at how much so many of the effects hold up. Especially the, the ghosts themselves. They look fucking sick. They do, don't they? Yeah, they look sick, man. Like the library ghost looks fucking amazing. Like you wouldn't, if you made a ghost movie now. You do some CGI bullshit. Yeah. Like I, they, they look sick. And it almost looks more, they, they obviously there's a certain, uh, they look kind of weird, yeah. but that works. Like that's yeah. what makes it work. Yeah. Um, they haven't over-engineered it. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing I found was it's not that Funny, really, and, but not in a bad way. It's just heap, heaps weird and surreal, but not like I wasn't. It wasn't laugh out loud. I, stuff. I was lolling. Really, there's yeah. some stuff I kind of like in the trailer there where it's funny, like the way Bill Murray says it. But the line itself, it's not like if someone else read it, it probably wouldn't be funny. Yes, but yeah, this is not a critique. This is more just like I was expecting more of like a straight up comedy, but it's more just the real oddball, weird, surreal. The whole thing is funny. But it's not like a laugh a minute type of thing. Yeah, which, yeah. I, but, but which I was happy with. The one line is there's it's it's got a lot of like well he's so dry. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of back off. I'm a scientist. Yeah, yeah. And there's the a lot Twinkie, of- the Twinkie. <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits. Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie. 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie. We could be on the verge of a fourfold cross rip, a PKE surge of incredible, even dangerous proportions. We just had a visit from the Environmental Protection Agency. How's the grid holding up? It's not good. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. Uh, anyway, it's a delight. It's delightful. Oh, the other thing I was finding in the rewatch is I actually realized I had no idea what the actual story was. <laughs> and I, was, I felt like I was learning the story for the first time. It's like, oh, it was the architect of the building. and like, It's legitimate too. Like it yeah. feels, like, feels tight. It, it pays off quite well. That's what I was thinking. And like I was trying to think of why it works. 
And I think there's a few ingredients. One of them is that, like a bit like what we did Back to the Future, it's just it's such a tight little operation where mm, all these seeds yeah. planted pay yeah. off and like crossing the streams sort of maybe being the ultimate one. Mm-hmm. But everything just pays Which off. Which has lasted into vernacular quite well. Oh, very much so, especially at the, uh, the men's room. <laughs> <laughs> or anywhere two men are pissing. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say though? Oh, yeah, but speaking of Back to the Future – I think in the rewatch, I was expecting a Back to the Future. I, I think for you, you got that. I think I would say for me, this wasn't Back to the Future was pure bliss. Then every minute, I'm sitting there on the, I was watching it on the floor, right up to the TV, and like the whole thing was like, yeah. You didn't get that with this. I got this for in bursts, and there were a few lulls. In sprints. Yeah. There were a few lulls, not lulls, I meant to say lulls, where it just got, it was still fine. I still, still, out of all the movies we've done, this is probably <clears throat> top five or whatever, probably uh-huh. maybe even top two, I'm not sure. But yeah. Back to the Future was like, bam, 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 bam. Interesting. And maybe that, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Maybe it's because they shout more than these guys do. <laughs> There's a lot of shout. And maybe it's just Michael J. Fox, man. He, he is spectacular. So is Bill Murray. He is Bill, yeah, he's good too. Um, Oh yeah, the other the other part I think it's just like the 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 ordinary slash extraordinary. Uh, they're talking about pretty extraordinary things, but in su- it's dealt with in such an ordinary thing, like the fact that they are set up just like pest control and yeah, it's not nice. it's not over the top. And maybe that original script would have been a bit over the top. Yeah, would have been definitely a different movie. Yeah, yeah, and actually it's interesting because um, Ivan Reitman talks about how he saw in the script this Marshmallow Man thing, and he's like, okay. That's fucking hard to do. How are we going to make that believable? How's, how's it going to make you invested, you know? I thought for this movie to be successful, that it was important for us to sort of really believe in the occurrences. Uh, if you just tell someone, you know, the, by the end of the movie, there's this marshmallow man who's 150 feet tall and he's walking down Central Park West, you can't believe it. So you have to try to figure out a series of steps that will allow that believability to occur. How we achieve that is by starting them in a very sort of mundane, realistic situation. They're, they work at a university. They're scientists. They're not doing particularly well. They get kicked out. And they decide to set up a business themselves. And it's dealing with all those things in the sort of first act of the movie that makes you sort of believe in the truth of it. See? Yeah, so it's... It's an entrepreneurial Yeah, it's, it's really journey. a story of small business. It is. Uh, <laughs> and, Amer- um, and America... But I think that's what you're saying as well, right? The the tightness of it all, like all those orchestration of it. I think in the original script, like Marshmallow Man pops out 20 minutes in, like it's not a build-up like that. Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting. Special effects, like we're saying, they hold up pretty good. FX. FX, sorry. Yeah, come yeah. on, mate. Come on. We've been FX. doing this for a while now. <laughs> I think maybe just the stop-motion dogs are a bit, <laughs> yeah. That's still charming though, but, yeah. but I think they, they hold up in a nostalgic way, whereas the ghosts, I think, 100% hold up. Like I would like to see that used in movies yeah. today, like straight up. A lot of the movies we've done, when we talk about special effects, it's all one company, Industrial Light and Magic. This one is not because Industrial Light and Magic were busy doing Temple of Doom. Ah. So MGM actually built a new special effects group called Boss Film Studios and so they were working on this movie and that sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, I don't, I don't think is. anyone's seen that because it's not, yeah, it's not Kubrick. <laughs> and I don't think it's, I don't know if it's Arthur C. Clarke. But anyway, um, uh, so th- these were all new 
dudes. But uh, like we're saying, it's like mostly practical, like the ghosts and shit with people in costumes and then I guess they just do some kind of green screeny type of shit and superimpose them in there. Pretty fucking cool. Like even Slimer was a dude with like a costume on that comes to his midriff or whatever and the arms are real and he's just going, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty <laughs> sick. Although speaking of Slimer, he wasn't as big of a thing, thing as I remembered. Yeah, he's kind of just that one. Is, this big, is he big in the second one or is it just the he's cartoon? He's in the cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon is like a main he's character. A, yeah, he's one of the guys, isn't he? He's like a good ghost. Did you did you read that he was an ode to, to John Belushi? I did hear that, gluttony. And just like having the cigar or just – does he have eating. a cigar? No. They said the eating like the – He's just eating everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the Marshmallow Man was pretty fucking badass. So I had this weird thing with the Marshmallow Man, right? Did you – I don't know if this – if you had a similar experience. First I was – as a kid, I'm like, Marshmallow Man, yep, got it. It's a big Marshmallow Man. And then I think as a kid I got it confused with the Michelin, Michelin Man. man. Yeah, yep. Michelin Man. And then as I got older – because we don't have it in Australia, but then as I got older in the US, there's a mascot, Poppin' Fresh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, Poppin' Fresh. Exactly. And so I think it's that exact Simpsons episode when I just had this crisis of, wait, do I understand what the Marshmallow Man is? Is that Poppin' Fresh? Excuse me, Mr. Burns. <gasps> Poppin' Fresh, you glutinous little doughboy. <laughs> there's something I've wanted to do to you for years. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, Mr. Burns, uh, I uh, was wondering if you'd like to sponsor my bowling team for five hundred dollars. Oh, I certainly, Pop and Fresh. I I owe my robust physique to your tubes of triple bleached goo. Woo-hoo! So yeah, uh, so because of that, and then when I was living in the U.S., I became more of aware of that. Mascot. What is that? It's like pa- pastry. I'm not, I don't know. I don't totally understand what they do. Triple, well, triple bleach glue. So goo. Also, random one. So when we were working in the US, a sales rep that Ara worked with, her last name was Pillsbury, and she married into the Pillsbury family of Pop and Fresh, like that company. So she's like a billionaire family or whatever. All oh, right. So fascinating. But, yeah, so when I was getting ready to rewatch this, I was like, okay, so I'm going to get it now. The Marshmallow Man was just a slang for that character. I thought it was that character. It's still just the Marshmallow Man. Stay puffed. They just made up a fake brand. Oh, is that a fake brand? Yeah. The the stay maybe it is that, and they just gave it a different name because yeah, well, it copyright. looks a bit different. And I was looking into that. I thought, oh, maybe maybe that's exactly what happened, and it was meant to be that. But it seems like it was always the Marshmallow Man. Like even from his initial drawings when he first came up with the idea, Dan Aykroyd drew a Marshmallow Man. So it's interesting. But I was very glad to finally have that resolved. <laughs> mm. Um, quite, quite. <laughs> Me too, uh, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Especially the Australian ones, maybe not the American ones. Should talk about the cast a little bit, though. Oh yeah. Um, obviously, Moranis is in there. He's great. Uh, like I said, we talk a lot about Moranis in in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. So I don't want to repeat ourselves here. Just go listen to that. It's apparently they all improv a lot. It's one of those things, one of those movies. But his. <laughs> When he got cast, he kind of really shaped that character. Came up with a lot of the uh, the backstory, the backstory there. Um, but Ted, that that party, <laughs> Ted and Annette have a small clean, dry cleaning service in receivership, but they got eight percent left on their pay. Is that 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 kind of shit? That is brilliant. Yeah, like this so this whole scene uh, apparently this is just him winging it. How you doing? Why don't you have some of the brie? It's at room temperature. You think it's too warm in here for the brie? Louis, I'm going home. Don't leave yet. Well, listen, maybe if we start dancing, other people will join in. 
Annette's drawing a salary from a deferred bonus from two years ago. They got 15000 left on the house at 8%. So they're okay. So, does anybody want to play Parcheesi? Okay, who brought the dog? We all know what happens next. A oh, funny little tidbit I picked up on uh, from our friends on the internet is uh, <laughs> he plays the character that would become the Keymaster... He gets locked out of his apartment three different times. <laughs> I love that. Is that a that must be intentional? That's intentional. Yeah. How good is that? I don't never I noticed never, that. Never that. Like, why make him the key master? <laughs> uh, but uh, should, I mean, Bill Murray also great. Subtle. Um, I, I feel like uh, I haven't gone super deep on Bill Murray here. I feel like there'll be other vehicles where perhaps we get a little bit here. It's probably worth. I mean, this is this is a prime. I don't know where this is in the trajectory of his career. It's relatively early. It's relatively early. I think this is next level BAM because he didn't make any is... movies for four years after this. Yeah, really. Took his foot off the gas and the next one was Scrooged. Yeah. which is... So 84 to 87 or something. 80s. This was pretty much – so obviously he wasn't meant to be in it originally, yeah. which is interesting. And then when he came in, um, I read in a review sort of applauding Dan Aykroyd and, and Harold Ramis for kind of letting him take – Front and centre. Right. Because Dan Aykroyd had probably been in a bit by, by this stage and he was – Yeah. yeah. So he was kind of – he was a front man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead. Yeah, so they kind of let him do his thing and which, is, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, did you – should we talk about the feud? So what's this feud? I heard something about this but I didn't – Feud, not F-O-O-D, not Irish food. Feud. But feud. <laughs> um, when two people disagree. Yeah, what happened? Well – so Bill Murray has quite the history of feuds. With, um, what's his name? Oh, like with co-stars, yeah. generally speaking. Well, uh, what's it? Um, what's Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, yep. But he sounds point. like, uh, Chevy Chase sounds like an asshole. Yeah, they came to fisticuffs apparently. Yeah. But all through his career there's sort of people. Um, Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou. Richard Dreyfus in What About Bob? Oh, yeah. And uh, then with, with um, Egon in. Um, yes. In. Uh, Fucking hell. <laughs> this. In this? Oh. Harold Ramis. Yeah, I was going to say in Groundhog Day. Yeah, well, that's where it came to blow. So apparently yeah, okay. they butted head of, heads a few times. Right. Um, and then but they, were, but they were really good mates. Yeah. So I think Bill Murray's like godfather to his one of yeah. um, Ramis's daughters. So then, yeah, they had a massive blowout on Groundhog Day. Um, Ramis attributed it to Bill Murray. Apparently it was going through some shit. Right. But they didn't speak for 20 years. Fuck. And then Ramis has, you know, passed away a few years ago, uh, 2014. So, um, but he was quite sick for a while. So, Bill Murray's brother convinced Bill to go around. Brian Doyle Murray? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The one that talks like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He uh, he convinced him to go around. So, apparently, he got a a police cavalcade and rocked up with a box of donuts. Uh, but then by then I think Ramos was pretty ill, but they, you know, they made peace, which is nice. It's interesting you say this because I was likening this crew. It's a bit of a stretch, but I was just thinking about the dynamic of the crew and how they each kind of have a role from a creative standpoint. But I was also thinking like, what if Belushi didn't die? 
And I was thinking about like the Beatles, like they're a bit. <sighs> Bill Murray to me is a bit like uh, I was gonna say George Harrison because he seems the most laid back and doesn't seem to care about anything. And then Dan Aykroyd, I was thinking, is like Paul McCartney. But then John Belushi was potentially Lennon. And it's Ooh. like, well, what if Lennon died after the Beatles' first album? What would have happened? Oh. Would you have just got because I was would thinking it, like would George have become more of an asshole? Maybe. Or I was thinking like was uh, would Dan Aykroyd have gone on to make heaps better movies? Because he oh. did, hasn't made heaps of great ones, really. That's right? interesting. He went into other serious roles. He got nominated for an Oscar for Driving Miss Daisy and stuff. Did he? Yeah, supporting actor. I've never seen that. Yeah, me neither. But but then with that analogy, maybe maybe Murray is Lennon, yeah. and 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 Harold Ramis is George. He seems to have more have more of a demeanor of George, if not just being like pretty laid back and maybe Dan not still a front is George. Man. Maybe there was multiple. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, George. everyone would be George, wouldn't they? Did you know this? I like this. This is nice. Um, did you know? Dan Aykroyd, in terms of his creative sprinkles, yeah, it's quite the quite the businessman. Yeah, right. Yeah, Crystal Head. Crystal Head. Yeah, which I always thought was Crystal Skull. Me too. I wrote it down as Crystal Skull. Yeah, I had to Google it. It goes that the same thing. And it came out the same year as Indiana Jones in the Crystal Skull by pure coincidence. Ah, so talking about the vodka you buy, that's the bottle is that little. Skull Such head. a sick bottle. Yeah, he's a bit of a booze uh, baron. And blues. And blues. Blues and blues. So the, the Blues Brothers stuff wasn't just some random thing he did. He's always been into that shit. Yeah. He used to work at a blues bar and then he's created, he was a co-founder of a venue, um, what's it called? Oh, the House of Blues. He co-founded that with the same guy that did the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, but it became the second biggest live music promoter in the world. And they sold it in 2006 to Live Nation. So this guy is probably wow. very, very cashed up. Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. Also has webbed toes. Does he? And he's Canadian. He is Canadian. But it gets weirder. Go on. He wanted to become a priest until he was about 17. Is that the inspiration behind Soul Man? Maybe, actually. The sitcom he starred in for quite yeah, a while? Yeah, boy. Never watched that one. I think I might have watched one episode and blah. <laughs> But yeah, so he he changed his mind, um, but then studied criminology and sociology at uni. But then he dropped out of that and worked at bars, did some stand up. But yeah, always a music guy. So he worked at this bar that was like all these, you know, buddy guy, Alan Wolf, all these people yeah, played yeah. there. Um, so pretty legit. But then obviously SNL was his big break, season one, OG. Is he? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, with who like, else was in that? Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and then Bill Murray came in to replace Chevy Chase. Basically, oh. so that's where the beef started because Chevy Chase was like too cool for school. He was too famous. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm doing uh, Fletch, man." Yeah, and so when he came back to guest host or something in season two with Bill Murray, there, Bill Murray was sort of like, I don't know, protecting the. I don't know. Yeah. There was some kind of beef there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was also briefly engaged to Carrie Fisher. I did see that, and then she got back with her ex, <laughs> yeah. who was. Peter, Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Simon. <laughs> um, but he is a massive believer in uh, – he's, he's kind of the Fox Mulder of um, comedy. <laughs> I got a clip on Joe Rogan. I thought that's, the best, that's oh, the best one to cover, right? Stop it. That's the kind of conversation you want to have with Joe Rogan. Absolutely. Let's hear it. I didn't know – oh, I'm excited. There's a story that Neil Armstrong was at a conference in in uh, in France in a hotel room, and one and there was a woman there who had been previously head of MI6, and she was a part of this cocktail party. 
And she overheard a conversation between Neil Armstrong and another gentleman who was in the intelligence service. And the guy was asking him about the moon landing. And Neil said, you know, there was a frequency that we switched to to talk about other things that were happening at that time. And the guy said, what do you mean? He said, when we landed there on the rim of the crater nearby, he said, there were several ships and they were large and menacing. What's a menacing ship? Shaped like one of your bottles of skulls? Well, no, that, no, this is a happy skull. No, the Coneheads starship. Remember the Coneheads yeah, starship? If, uh, I do remember that. So, I mean, that's a total, <laughs> I mean, but I think, you know, if that, if Neil Arm, if that's true, you know, well. You well, know. he only said that one time in French. There's a lot of this stuff. I'm not going to play all that, <laughs> but you get the idea. So this, is him, this is him talking about the UFOs he's actually seen himself. So not just uh, oh. Buzz Aldrin, but this is what he's seen. I've seen four. Right. That, you know, I've seen four. So two uh, in a high altitude sighting and uh, one fairly close at the farm a couple of years ago. And then uh, and then one really, really weird one in Montreal uh, at the 23rd floor of the Queen Elizabeth uh, Hotel. I'm sitting there with some friends and I see this. It looked like an air mattress, but 100 feet long by 50 feet wide, tipped over with the bulbs on the bottom, and it was moving slowly, you know, and just it stopped, and then it turned, and it went out over the river, and we were going, what's that thing, you know? So, yeah, he's into this. <laughs> what? <laughs> he might, might tell us. <laughs> but you know who else is into this, as it turns out? Bill Murray has his very own ghost story. Oh. It's, it's chilling. I have seen one ghost, and I've talked about this publicly, and I'll, I'll talk about it. No, I haven't heard it. you talk about it. You've seen a ghost. Yeah, I saw a ghost. There's a restaurant in, that we worked in, in, a, in this thing on, in New York called the Tavern on the Green. Sure. And there is a ghost there, and it's, he's a guy. He's a waiter. And he comes up, and he goes through the whole thing, plays it perfectly straight, says, you know, tells you what the special is, and then takes your order, and then he disappears. And you never... <laughs> Plays it straight. Oh, that, that, that's it. Yes. That's the ghost of Raul. Yeah, I had him last week. There's heaps of stuff in that interview that I would love to just play now. I'll put it all on Instagram, but it's um, it's such a good interview on Johnny Carson. It's mm. got Dan Aykroyd as well. You couldn't, didn't hear that bit there. Yeah. But he's basically giving him shit the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. great. It's so great. Um, the, um, Ray Parker Jr.? Yes. Iconic track, this one. It Isn't is. It? What else do you know about Ray? Well, this song went number one. Numero uno? Numero uno. Um, and I didn't know a lot about this guy other than this song, which he wrote relatively quickly and got inspired by a commercial for whatever the fuck it said, who you going to call? <laughs> um, and he had like his whole family doing the Ghostbusters thing because he needed to do it real quickly. Really? Yeah. But um, he did a whole bunch of shit. Um, he's not really primarily a singer or anything. He's a, he's a musician and he's played with a bunch of different people. Do you have a band called Radio? He did. With a R-A-Y. Hey, that's not bad. Well, there's this whole doco about him and there's a trailer. I won't play the whole trailer, but there's some cool clips in here that kind of give some context to this guy was fucking everywhere. Really? Well, maybe not everywhere, but he's, he's around. He was a few, in a few places. <laughs> a few places. A lot of y'all know me from Ghostbusters. I got it. Who you gonna call? I ain't free no Ghostbusters. It makes me feel good. I got all that. But you know, it, it's interesting to me. Do you really think that I just woke up one morning and they just happened to call me and I wrote the song and then I went back to sleep? I mean, I, see, I read so many things 
and, and I think it's just funny. Like, people think that that's the only thing I've ever done or I never did anything. How many instruments do you play? Four altogether. How old are you? 23. When did you start playing an instrument? Uh-oh, about when I was eight years old. What was the first instrument you ever played? The clarinet. Where were you on the night of July 4th, 13th? <laughs> you played with everybody in the world, have you not, at this point, practically? Uh, yeah, just about. Like, name drop for me, quickly. Just roll off 15 names. Diana Ross, Seals and Crofts, uh, Barry White, Stevie Wonder, you know, the Rolling Stones. Stop, stop. <laughs> Well, let me, let me just tell you this. I've got about 29 or 30 really big records. Shaka Khan I wrote for, Barry White, Big Hits On, Don Ross, Patti LaBelle, New Edition, uh, my own band Radio, Ray Parker Jr. If you, if you check this out, we got a lot of hits. And, but the main thing I do is play the guitar. And, and I'm musically trained, played with lots and lots of artists. But I just think it's really, really funny that people look at the ghosts, they go, who are you going to call? And they think that, I don't know, I just woke up that afternoon and, and, and just wrote the song and went back to sleep. And by the way, why do you think they called me to write that song in the first place? So I was definitely guilty of that. Because that song, he's kind of rapping. I just thought he was some shit rapper I'd never heard of. Ah. But he's it's not. He's uh, some great musician I'd never heard of. <laughs> yeah, I, guilty. Yeah. Funnily enough, uh spoke about Back to the Future before. He actually got sued by Huey Lewis. Ah, yes. Yeah. So for this particular track. Yeah, this this particular track. So the, uh, for a little comparison here, here is um the Ghostbusters song, of course. Now, here is the uh, Huey Lewis in the News song, which is called I Want a New Drug. Now, judge for yourselves, people. So it was mainly that that bassy thing, not not the melody or anything, but yeah, it's close. It's enough to file a lawsuit, I'd say. Yeah, and so they settled out of court, which I think means he paid some kind of money. But years later, in like 2001, <laughs> um, Ray sued him back because Huey broke his confidentiality agreement in an interview. And then I think he got heaps of cash for that. So. What was the confidentiality? I think it is because they settled out of court. They were probably like he told them what they said, what the agreement was. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Ah. So. <laughs> Very litigious. Yes. <laughs> oh man. What about the? Uh, was there much in the fashion mm. for you there? I did oh. notice there was a lot of check. Okay. Uh, or played to mm-hmm. our thirty percent. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scene in the firehouse, and they're all in check. Yeah. Janine's in check. Oh, they're all smoking cigarettes too. They're all smoking cigarettes. Constantly. <laughs> just hanging out of their mouth. They do the old. Amp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He seemed to be a big fan of that move, didn't he, Mr. Yeah. Ackroyd? Oh, big time. <laughs> that was his jam. He probably watched Buddy Guy do it a few times and yeah. thought, thought it was the way forward. <laughs> Pretty sure I've done that as well. Yeah. I did remember Sigourney Weaver has since done another comedy. The, the space one? Heartbreaker. Oh, yeah, the space one It's supposed to be really good. What's that called again? Heartbreakers. <laughs> no, Heartbreakers 2. 
Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ray Liotta. Yeah. Which I remember being pretty funny. I never watched it. But I might have been heavily distracted for <laughs> 123 minutes. You haven't seen that? No. It's good. You should watch that. Yeah. What was the space, the Star Trek? Galaxy. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, Quest. yeah, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's supposed to be really good too. I think I might have seen it when I was young, but I can't really remember. Um, uh, Gorillas in the Mist. Classic. A laugh a minute. Real lol fest. <laughs> Aliens 3. Zing. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's pretty good in this, I guess, but I don't, I, yeah. My dad's favourite scene was when she levitated, which, <laughs> which my least favourite scene. But now that I think back, a kind of him telling me that is disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a great joke in there too. Not your dad, Bill Murray. Yeah. I want you inside me. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I can't. Sounds like you got at least two people in there already. Might be a little crowded. When you decide, it's quite graphic. <laughs> exactly. I never picked up on that as a no, kid. No, neither. I do my favourite line in between those two when he goes around to the house and he's doing the inspection for the first <laughs> the time. Squeaky, the I love squirty this. gun thing. And I can't tell if in the, even in the world of the movie if that's a real thing. Yeah, or he's, he's just, just picked up, with a, it. He picked yeah. up something <laughs> from the side of the plot and walked into the house. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably that. Yeah. That's the bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. What a crime. Crime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a little bit of a predator, but... Um, yeah, but in a yeah. disarming way. <laughs> Massive predator. Uh, should we talk about the legacy? There's a few sequels, some reboots. Yeah, it's quite the franchise. It is. Multimedia. Multimedia. So, obviously, those Ghostbusters Part 2, a bit of a... They weren't super happy with it. There was obviously the reboot in 2016, 2014. 2016. Obviously that that was controversial, I guess, because it was all females. Lots of bored men lost their shit that it was females. It wasn't very good. <laughs> Maybe that's more of the issue. But um, I haven't seen it. It's it's fine. But again, it's just like. I think, yeah, people probably thought we we're getting these guys back because there's been so much talk. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's okay. I'd, I'd, you'd watch it and you'd be like, oh, yeah. It's good cast, good. isn't it? Yeah. Um, what's her name's really good the, um, from SNL, the blonde one? Fuck, I'm forgetting everyone's Amy name. Amy Poller? No, new, a new generation. Anyway. It's, Amy it's, Poller. It's fine. It's a good Netflix movie. It's not like. Netflix and chill movie. It's a Netflix and chill movie. Have you, why do you feel about the misuse of Netflix and chill? In terms of. People just saying it, thinking it just means. It's about banging. It's about banging, right? Yeah. But heaps of people use it just thinking, so like. Oh, no, like parents aren't saying it. Either, like yeah, <laughs> I've heard it in my office a bit. Oh, so like, how was your weekend? Oh, Netflix and chill. Hey, and whoa. Like, <laughs> the, oh, okay. It's a bit too much information. Good for you. <laughs> anyway. uh, Sorry, I digress. Is that when you say, okay, boomer? You heard about uh, the okay I, boomer I, This week. <laughs> it's new for me. I think it's new. Well, oh, I, I, I am on the cultural precipice then. <laughs> you sure are. Um, so in addition to that, there was also a cameo in the Casper movie. Who are you going to call? Someone else. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty lame. lame. But the irony of that is initially the creators of Casper sued creators of Ghostbusters because in the logo, the ghost in the logo looks like Caspery. the fatso, the fatso ghost, ah. which I guess is the name of the fat one. I don't really know Casper very well. Ah. So that's kind of kind of weird. 
But then the game, the video game, did you ever play that? I would have. So you should because they just released a remastered version. So it could be time for Gamer Greg to emerge from oh, his cave or you, go into his I'm cave. for my know. annual yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> my annual game. Because um, this is up your alley because Dan Aykroyd says this is the closest to a third movie. Because they actually, it's got Bill Murray's voice and everything. It's got all their voices. And uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd were consulted on the script and that kind of thing. Oh, It's pretty fun. i got a little clip here that captures. Have you played it? It's ghost bustiness. I played it back in the day. I think I brought it off Hugo. But I just didn't play that much. All right, Ace. Get ready. Dr. Stan. So you play a new Ghostbuster. You do the honors. Proud to, Dr. Venkman. Part of our settlement with the city... Proton packs must remain often heavily populated public areas. And in close quarters. It minimizes the city's liabilities and satisfies the restraining order the maid here had put on us. Where we live in today, you shoot a proton stream of highly charged particles at someone, they get all so happy. It's him! Like the effects and shit are really cool. But yeah, yeah, they just released the remastered version, so it could be it could be time, Greg. Could be time. It's probably dirt cheap too. Um Initially, they didn't want any more sequels because they thought the second one was shit. And they were like, oh, the first one was good. We should never have made the second mm. one. But then the idea of a third one started to gather steam. But then poor old Harold Ramis passed away yeah. in 2014. So things kind of stopped again. Ivan Reitman decided he didn't really want to direct one without him either. And what I didn't realize was the original four or however many there were basically held the rights to Ghostbusters. And ah. they eventually sold them and made heaps of money. Oh, and that's, too. that's when the reboot got done. I think just back to the studio or something. I'm not sure how it works. Someone, they sold I guess, it to someone. I guess no one could make anything without their approval at some point, but then they just got rid of that and gave it to a studio or something. But, but, the, but the new one is on the way. It's going to be next year. Ghostbusters 2020 with a young Jason Reitman directing. Uh, you know, he's got some, so obviously son of yeah. Ivan, but mm. he's done some pretty massive movies. Oh, what's he done? I didn't look into that. Uh, I had a look. I haven't written them down though, so give us. Give us a sec. Why are you looking for that? A few notable quotes in the in the movie. A little reminder, this is 1984 and Egon says, print is dead. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah, that Did was crazy. Did he mean something else by that? Well, Carol and I were scratching our head on that one too because is it like print, how, print is it, was doing all right then, wasn't it? Like how when um, Biggie said blow up like the World Trade. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he predicted 9-11, but there was a small bomb in World Trade Center previously. Oh, was there? Yeah, but what did he mean by print is dead? That's weird. Oh, and a little Easter egg. Not really an Easter egg intentionally, but for us, the guy that played the mayor was the guy that kept sniffing in Seinfeld. Oh, the accountant. Yeah. (laughs) Cigarette? No, no, I never touch one. Well, I suck them down like (laughs) Coca-Cola. Well, here's to feeling good all the time. Huh? <laughs> uh, he's done. Thank you for smoking and Juno. Ah, so yeah, so he's he's a, quite a critical darling, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah, good for him. Good for him. So it sounds like it's in safe hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be exciting. I will watch that. See if I can find my t-shirt. Yeah, do it. You might have to cut the sleeves off. Why? And the stomach off. Why? And the and the chest off. Why? <laughs> you have to fashion it into some sort of bandana. Hey, I'm the same waist <laughs> as was when I was two. <laughs> did you have a go at any recasties? I did not. Did you? Not really. Just like, I mean, it's. I kind of just think this is such a well balanced cast. Because you know, 
I don't like any version. I can't think of if they put like if they put yeah. fucking Ryan Reynolds in this, I'd be, oh, be gosh. Like, and Seth Rogen, I really like him, but I don't think I'd want to see him in this. Like it just yeah, or it suddenly even just Owen becomes Wilson, like any movie ever. Yeah, yeah like, stop putting those right. people in it. Like all the people that you'd think would be in it now, I don't want to see him in it. And I honestly reckon that's why that last one probably didn't work because it's just. And that's the best possible cast you could probably come up yeah. with, I reckon, and it's still it's flawless. Work. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, the re- the, with the yeah. reboot, like mm. that's the best modern version I reckon you could do, but it's just it loses something. It's like Jurassic Park reboots. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. You can't manufacture that that magic. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we get into the verdict? I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. The law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Did you have an MVP and a and a low key VP? And you? I had a MVP. Well, I had a, a draw, perhaps. Yeah. I'd say either Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Or Rick Moranis, and I'm maybe leaning more towards Rick Moranis just because Bill Murray's doing his usual thing. But so is Rick Moranis, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can have a tie. Yeah, they can have a tie. Do you know who I had as a low key VP? Who, who we haven't mentioned today? Who the EPA guy? He's a dickhead. He's so such much. a great dickhead. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's such a great. Oh, dickhead. do you feel? How do you feel that often these guys are redheads? Hey, easy tiger. <laughs> Well, like, what dickheads <laughs> in movies? I mean, oh, is it man. like is that like poor it, representation? Uh, is that racism? Yeah, that you are sprouting. No, I'm pointing out that often the bad oh. guy across the old Dean type, because um, yeah, like in um, Bueller, he reminded yeah. me a lot of the Bueller guy, and then oh, I was like, maybe. wait, is that like a common? Maybe. Is that a thing? I don't know. Look into it. He's great though, because he's also the dickhead in Die Hard. William Atherton oh. is his name. He's the reporter that's down. Ah, I thought he looked familiar. Did you get that? He's in the video game too. So yeah. the video game, the video game, I forgot to mention, picks up like straight after Ghostbusters too. So it is a legit like set in the nineties. It's yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's awesome. I mean, I think we're saying this is a rewatch. This is potentially hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I feel like not a lot of tension in this episode, but whatever. It's Ghostbusters. It's fucking yeah. great. Um, there wasn't I've done a lot. this episode without my pants on. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Sorry. <laughs> um, man, that might, I don't, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. This is a classic movie. Yeah. With classic things. Hey, leave us a review, <laughs> you little fuckers. <laughs> nah, sorry. You little legends. Are you little legends? Um, for those who have, uh, we appreciate you. For those who have been dropping us those DMs, it's lovely to hear from you. It's great yeah. to know that uh, that people want to listen to this junk. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're listening, like the show, and you haven't reviewed yet, please do so. Uh, if you've got suggestions, DM us. Yeah. If you think the suggestion is not to record again on a Sunday morning, noted. Noted. Also, we are going to do some Christmas movies and we haven't got them oh, all yes. figured out yet. So if you've got a Christmas movie suggestion, let us know. Yeah, we're going to – what are we going to do, like three or like most Maybe of December? Three. Yeah. yeah. Most of December we'll do Christmas movies. Yeah. Send us your recommend or your requests. Yeah. Send us your requests. Your requests. 
All right, we'll wrap it. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye.